Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter with Gareth Hall and the Captain. Hello, Gareth Hall with you. This is another episode of Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter, of course, with the Captain, the one and the only, Mr. Guy Mulcaster. Hello to you, Guy. I don't know what you're going to do because your main man, James McDonald, is out for a month, unfortunately, with that foot injury. Yeah, I read the update on the internet last night and it looks like they're going to scrap the jockey's challenge. <laughs> so that's the end of that. Yeah. But we're for the Cairns Amateur Race Meeting tomorrow, uh, four days run by the great man Brolga. Yep. As people would know him as Russell Leonard, the commentator of the... Uh, northern area of Queensland and he's an amazing man he puts on a great tour and if, if anybody's had the opportunity they should uh, take it up and get up to the Ken's Amateurs it's a great carnival so what kind of tour is it then so you head up there and where does he take you um we basically stop off at the first pub and we have a few beverages and a bit of lunch and uh, then move into dinner the second day we have the races the third day we have the races uh Sunday, we have a nice little lunch to uh, go through all the punting exploits for the team for the weekend, and then we fly home Monday. Have you got a horse running at the Cairns Amateurs? Uh, there is a horse that I used to have something to do with, but that was a couple of years ago, a horse called Fortified. He's in the Cup on Saturday, should run pretty well. But I think uh, Lindsay Hatch's horse sails just coming back into form, and he was a pretty good horse up there this time last year. Okay, so we might not have you next week because I'm a bit worried for your safety heading up to Cairns for a four-day bender. I'll definitely be back next week. We've got good racing coming up in uh, Sydney and Melbourne in the next uh, five or six weeks, so pretty well looking forward to it. And the weight's come out for the Melbourne Cup this week as well, Gareth. Yeah, which is exciting, always exciting. There's, we lost a horse, unfortunately, yesterday that was high up in the market in St. George. That was owned by Qatar Racing, of course, in partnership with Aussie Kerr and Johnny O'Neill and their syndicate. But he's had a minor setback, so he'll be set for the autumn. I think the the main aim for him will be the Sydney Cup. But um, I want to discuss Nature's Trip with you. That son of Nakoni that was a nine-time Group 1 winner, won at Royal Ascot, competed in four Everest. He was mighty in defeat in a few of them, but he won one, just hanging on. he was a remarkable horse, and geez, Chris Waller did a great job with him. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, he'd, he'd been to a number of other trainers before Chris got hold of him, and uh, and he took him on a really, really amazing journey. When he started with him, Chris couldn't get, the, you know, be, people said he wouldn't run past 1,100 metres, but he won a number of very, very good races at 1,200 metres in his later time, and, uh, you know, the crowd really got behind him at Randwick on the weekend, and... Uh, it was sad to see him go and Eduardo on the same day, but, you know, nothing lasts forever. And I thought that was a, a fitting farewell that they retired them both on the same day. Some of the highlights there from the weekend. Mr. Brightside, this son of Bull Bars, continues to fascinate me. He was a cheap purchase, of course, in New Zealand. 
he was in, I think, the second catalogue at the Caracas sales and then went through the Ready for Run sale. Um, what makes him such a champion? And why did he go for um, such a cheap price there in New Zealand? Because it was at the bull bars factor? Um, how would you how would you analyse that, Captain? I think, um, I think, you know, the stallion didn't really have a hell of a lot of commercial appeal when they were selling him, and I don't think it's really changed since. But he was uh, he was very unlucky in his one start at the races, and uh, good work to Lindsay Park for picking him up out of the one start. I think he ran seventh or eighth in his maiden, but they could see something in that, and he came to Australia. I think he got beat at Ballarat first up, and then he won like six in a row after that. But his run on Saturday was really good. Uh, Interesting to see that he's up and at him so early. I think we're still seven or eight weeks away yes. from the Cox Plate. So to keep that picket line form going with a number of other horses coming through, just getting fitter, it's going to be very interesting to see if Mr. Brightside is still singing at the end of the carnival. Because it's a very interesting one. You make a very good point there. So they've had two runs now, the PB Lawrence and the Memsey. They'll go to a Maccabi Diva, and then they've got to weigh up where they go after that. Do they go to the King Charles on the way to the Cox Plate, or do they go to a Caulfield Stakes? And then there's the Champions Mile, um, or the Champions Stakes on the final day of Flemington, and there's even talk that they might head to Hong Kong. So he's in for a big yeah. preparation. Definitely, Gareth. I think uh, with the Hayes boys' father training in Hong Kong and they have a lot of clients up there. I wouldn't be surprised to see him racing up in, in Hong Kong in December at the international meeting. So we wish Mr. Brightside the best of luck. And with those stallions like a bull bars that aren't commercial as some of the other stallions um, these days in Australasia, Guy, um, we've been seeing a few of the champs of the turf, however, um, being by some of these unfashionable stallions. So there's hope for everybody out there that you might just have to dig a little bit deeper and you can still buy a, a horse at the sale and they can still deliver on the racetrack and compete with the very best. Oh, definitely, you know, and Giga Kick's another great example of an offbeat stallion that's uh, that's left the champion. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him running through the uh, big races in Melbourne and Sydney this the spring, mm -hmm. and I have heard a whisper that he could end up in Hong Kong in December as well. Breaking news there from the, the captain. What about Princess Grace, owned, of course, by the China Horse Club? Um, she's an American mare that is now Group 1 placed a couple of times. So she's been a, a handy purchase for the China Horse Club. And do you think we'll see a few more American mares, for instance, and we've had success with them in in recent time. I know Kira Maher and David Eustace have got a former American mayor that's performed okay as well. So do you think we'll see more of this guy? Yeah, it just depends at the sales in, in America if they do have any petrol left in the tank. You know, the American horses usually race pretty hard. And uh, I think if there is an opportunity for them to race on, I'm sure the Australian studs will be after them at the sales in America. Yeah, so um, there might be a group one in her, Princess Grace, this campaign. I think she heads to the Maccabi Diva over the mile at her next start. 
The Group 3 Concord Stakes, we saw Nature's Trip and Eduardo finish down the track and they were retired after that. But Remark, who's had a throat operation and is beautifully bred, he's the son of Snitzel, I think um, one of the most famous quotes ever heard on Giddy Up, Captain, was from Paul Massara after they gelded Remark um, and said that his dad would prefer to geld him. (laughs) 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 Um, So he's a beautifully bred galloper. Now... You, you you know these farms really well. There's still four farms that have got slots in the the Everest. But Arrowfield have done a deal. I think they did a two-year deal with Marsu and the Star Casino. They're in partnership with Arrowfield's done. If you're John Massara behind closed doors, are you trying to work out a way to get this horse into the Everest? How would you approach this situation, Guy? Uh, the way I see it, Gareth, is there's probably not – going to be enough horses for the for the amount of slots yeah but when you put your seven hundred thousand dollars and you want to get as much of it back with the least amount of risk a horse like hawaii Five O is going amazingly singo's just sold a stud farm last week brought in 15 million or something like that i think somewhere along the line singo might reach out and buy a slot from somebody and and go for the hundred percent of the prize money. They've had, they've spoken the horse up very highly, and uh, his trials have been pretty good. He, he absolutely bolted in his trial yesterday at Rose Hill. Yeah. So, thing to see if somebody snaps up Hawaii Five O outside him. They're starting to look like they're going to be fringe sort of horses that are going to have to take up the rest of the spots. So. Yep. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out over the next six weeks. So if you owned a mare like a, a Benedetta and a Zafura, who were impressive there at Caulfield on Saturday, they've run time, they're, they're unproven at the, the the top level. As Fura, I think, is a Group 1,000 to 1,100-metre mare. I've got no doubt about that. And she was brave in a quokka over 1,200 metres. But from if you owned a mare... What's your thinking going into a race like an Everest if people are ringing you up? Do you need to make sure you get a far better deal than, say, what a gelding would get because you're you're sacrificing maybe um, a Group 1 next to her name by going to the Everest instead of a, a Moya or a Matacato? I think uh, those two horses you mentioned, Asper and Benedetta, Gareth, it's a little bit like playing football on Saturday mornings with bare feet and then stepping up to a <laughs> test. Yes. All right. So, what about you know, Imperatrice then? What would you do with her? Uh, there's, there's a, it's a sort of double-edged sword for Imperatrice because she's already won Group 1s. Yes, it's good to win the money, but also Tiakau looked looking to launch a stable in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So I would think unless they got a very, very good deal, she's more likely to stay in Melbourne and fly the flag for Tiakau Racing. I tell you, you'll be winning the Everest, a horse by the name of Vin Secret. Now, this is one of the rare horses that Vin Cox and Cadolphin actually purchased at a sale. This was a filly that was purchased for $900,000 at the 2021 Magic Millions. And when you have a look at Vin Cox's record since he's taken over at Cadolphin, he has got a pretty handy strike rate of identifying yearlings. Amazing, Gareth. They, don't, they only buy two or three every year. They yeah. use their bob. Money to buy the yearlings, and uh, there hasn't been many years when they haven't hit the target. No, it's an amazing strike rate. I wish I had some Bob sisters and pocket chains to go to the sales and, and buy a few horses, Captain. 
Well, I think, you know, if that greyhound keeps winning, you can take yeah. it up. <laughs> oh, you're unbelievable, aren't you? Um, what do you well, make What do you make of the three-year-olds, especially the fillies at the moment? Is Tids invincible, like heading towards, I think the, the Golden Rose and the Caulfield Guineas is going to be a beauty. You've got a couple of, just looking at the Bet365 market now for the Caulfield Guineas, I think it might be one of the early races of the spring because you've got a horse like um, V8, who was very impressive there, I thought, on the weekend for the McAvoys. This is the son of Grunt that's hit the ground running this preparation. Um, Militarise, it'll kick off in the Golden Rose shortly. Shinzo's going to go the other way. He's going to the Everest. Um, what other horses in the market here? You've got King Colorado that's been impressive. Stepardi that resumes on Saturday for Paul Peruska. Shalite is um, a horse that's got plenty of ability, just doing a lot wrong at the moment. And whether Tom Kitten comes to Melbourne after his impressive first up victory. And Little Bros, the Blue Diamond winner, will be heading that way now. Um, I think it's going to be a ripper, the three-year-old um, races this year. But Caulfield Guineas is going to be a beauty. Yeah, I think uh, the Phillies race on Saturday at Randwick, there was sort of six horses that finished within two and a half lengths. And uh, Tis Invincible, yes, definitely impressive. I do think a couple of the others probably weren't ridden to their absolute maximum. I think a couple of horses ridden a bit quieter might have finished off a little bit harder. Uh, I would think at this stage that the boys have the wood on the fillies. Yeah, and the Golden Rose... You've got Shinzo going around there. He'll be hard to beat first up. And then Waller goes back to the 1,200 metres for the the Everest. Do you think the three-year-olds can win an Everest? Do you think we'll see more than one three-year-old in an Everest this year? Uh, more than likely, you probably you could see two or three, Gareth. The question is, would, you know, how good do they have to be? Yeah. And I think be very good to be able to beat the giga kick and i wish i wins run was very very good on saturday also you know like we spoke about this on the show last week that we thought that he would it would be a top off run for him and he ran a little bit like that he was out of cookies at the hundred he kept digging in i thought he ran a very respectable race back to 1200 peter moody will sharpen him up a little bit I think there's not going to be a hell of a lot between Giga Kick and I wish I wouldn't come Everest Day. I was trying to talk Mark Chittick into having this match race with Jonathan Munns. You would know those two gentlemen well. Um, both big breeders in the game, of course, put a lot of money in into the sport. I would have loved a match race. I thought it would be terrific for racing. You could innovate that like we've never innovated racing before. You could mic up the jockeys. You could have it half-time with AFL. You could... Um, do so many wonderful things to uh, to promote the game um, with this situation that we probably wouldn't get too many opportunities like this to have when you've got a program where you could probably have a, a match race like like we could have in three or four weeks' time or three weeks' time. But I understand that there's different preparations and there's different ways that they might want to go about it. But hopefully we get to see something like that in the future, Guy. Yeah, I think uh, when we heard about this so-called maybe match race yes. and then vision of the let's alone bit, better loosen up, and I think those stewards, whether it be in Queensland, Melbourne, 
New South Wales or wherever were actually cringing, thinking about the whip rules when back in the day with better loosen up and let's elope. They uh, they had a decent mass trace and uh, they obviously didn't count the amount of stripes they hit them with. No. Um, Kovalika, we have a couple of questions coming through. In fact, our email's been running hot with questions for the, the, the captain this week. So we'll get to Jack a little later on in the, in the show. But um, Kovalika, they tell me he's going to be aimed up at the Cox Plate. He's not a Caulfield Cup horse anymore guy. Uh, I think. First up Epsom, they tell me. No, he's going to run this weekend. Yes. Going to run 1,300 metres at Rose Hill this, meet, this weekend. Uh, I think he, last year he, he resumed over 1,600 metres and finished off very nicely. I would expect the 1,300 metres to be a little bit sharp from, and then he goes second up into the Epsom. Uh, and yes, definitely there is good thought about going to the Cox Plate, but this year, the Cox Plate looks very, very deep, just in the early noms. You're a very good horse, Buck Guy. You're a very, very good horse. So um, I would um, make sure you book your tickets to Mooney Valley. We'll see if you can get into one of those corporate boxes there um, on that Saturday afternoon in October. Don't go anywhere. We'll take our first break. This is the Breeding Bloodstock and Banter podcast with Gareth Hall and, of course, the captain, Guy Moldcaster straight after this. And this is all thanks to Pillay, the 1,200 metre group one weight for age sprint star standing at Darley. Jonathan Davies from Aquas Farms will be joining us in just a moment. You're listening to Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter with Gareth Hall and the captain. Welcome back to the Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter show. The captain with you, of course, Guy Moldcaster. And you're with Gareth Hall, and I've got a special guest coming up here, Captain. Jonathan Davies, of course, the Aquas Farms Director of Sales, joins us for the first time on the Breeding Bloodstock and Banter with the Captain. Hello to you, Jonathan. Thanks for your time, mate. Hey, Gareth. Yeah, great. Great to be on the show. Now, this stallion that's on your roster is named after our illustrious leader, Guy Moldcaster, Lean Mean Machine. And he started to deliver some nice results there on the track of recent times. He has. He's going quite well. Um, with being a son of Zustar, that Northern Meteor skyline, they tend to improve with time. Um, so very excited with his first crop just turning three to see what they can do over the next uh, 12 months. What impressed you most about him to get him part of, uh, part of your roster? Uh, he's a beautiful horse. Um, he's got an incredible action. He's a very loose-moving stallion. Uh, he's quite physically imposing. He's, he's quite a, a tall stallion, but he's got a lot of power and a lot of quality. He's quite deceptive because he is, um, does have quite a, quite a bit of leg under him. Um, but he's, he's our heaviest stallion. He weighs in at some 650 kilos, which when you look at him, um, you wouldn't think it to look at him. But he's just he's so much natural muscle about him and... And so much power, but I think his action is his biggest attribute, and um, certainly one that he's passed on to his progeny, which has has seen him sell so well through the sale ring. What have you been making of the Lean Mean Machines, there, guy? Well, Lean Mean Machine came out of the Chris Wallace stable, and uh, he raced in a pretty good year. He raced against Zusane and uh, Sunlight and those sort of horses, so he his form was pretty good, and he was a bloody beautiful yearling. 
So uh, I think he's got a great chance at stud. Yeah, um, and he has, as I said, he's ha- he has hit the, hit the ground running. Um, Lean me machine. What about Invader? He was um, that Group One size Produce Stakes winning son of Snitzel, and he's starting to hit um, hit the ground as well because he's been producing some nice horses of late. Yeah, he's doing a tremendous job. Um, obviously, he's co-champion two-year-old colt of his generation, won the size produce, as you said. Uh, he was actually the first stallion of that crop to sire a Group 1 winner um, in Sunshine in Paris, who won the Group 1 surround stakes. Uh, I think a week later, Russian Revolution was the second siring um, a Group 1 winner. But uh, Russian stands for 88000 Invader stands for $11,000, and they've both only got one Group 1 winner. And Invader actually has a better runners to winners percentage than Russian Revolution. So we feel he's priced incredibly well and offers breeders great value. Yeah, um, Invader produced the, the Group 1 winner in Sunshine in Paris. And he's great value for money, Guy. Well, you know, Gareth, Sunshine in Paris would be one of your favourites. She raced in that surround stakes, beating Ruthless Dame in secret. Zugotcha was fourth. So, you know, that's a pretty bloody good lineup in a Group Group one three-year-old Phillies race. So I think if uh, Invader can keep doing the job, leaving horses like Sunshine and Paris, uh, it's bright skies ahead. Yeah, and um, she was sold at the broodmare sales of recent times as well. So she's already done a wonderful job. Um, now she's got some new owners. And then Jonka, you've seen, you've had a lot of success being based in Queensland there, Jonathan, with Queensland bred um, gallopers and stallions that... Uh, especially now with the bonuses on offer there, with the Q-bread bonuses, um, you've been able to really, um, you've been able to really uh, maximise the 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 opportunities there for um, horses there based out of Queensland. Most definitely, um, I, I believe the cutest bonus scheme is the best bonus scheme in Australia. Um, on a Saturday, we're running for one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars for um, Cutis two-year-old and three-year-old. Um, and now Cutis for Queensland bred um, progeny by Stallions domiciled in Queensland. It's a free scheme, so there's no you don't have to pay up or anything, um, which is great for, for breeders and also um, and also buyers of, of Queensland yearlings. So that's a big tick. And um, Jonk has been incredibly well-received. Um, absolutely stoked with the foals um, we've seen by him so far. He's got... Nearly 20 foals in the ground. Um, he stamped them. Uh, really, he stamped them really well. He seems to be homozygous bay at the moment, which is great. Um, there's been a lot of champion stallions in the past that have been homozygous bay, um, and he's throwing real good quality, good size, good bone, very attractive head. Um, so, very happy with um, with how he's going. Cutest, not bread. That's the harness racing, of course. Um... But Jonker, yeah, the son of Spirit of Boom. Who, gee, Spirit of Boom, what a horse he's been for Queensland guy. Yeah, well, the blood's already worked up here, and they like, you know, they like to have early runners in Queensland, and I'm sure that uh, because Spirit of Boom's done so well, uh, Jonker's got a very good chance as well. And tell us a little bit about Stronger as well, Jonathan. Uh, he is the most exciting stallion that we've had for some time, in my opinion. Um, Physically, I would say he's the best type we've ever had in our stallion bar. He's a beautiful horse, um, extremely well-balanced, very neat, great great action. Um, 
He's one of only three Group 1 winners by not a single doubt. Uh, the other two being, of course, Extreme Choice and uh, Golden Slipper winner Farmers. So to have uh, have a, a rare commodity like that in um, our own backyard is extremely exciting for us, especially with his, his good looks. And um, he's been very popular in his first season at the start, as you could imagine. Um, and his owner, um, Edwin Chong from Hong Kong, retained a good interest in the stallion and and he went shopping at the Magic Millions Broodmare sale in June um, with his agent, George Moore, who bought some, some really nice mares um, to give him a great start to his stud career. So he's a horse that, personally, I'm um, chips in on. Um, I absolutely love him. So what's the challenges there, Jonathan? And then I'll get a comment from you, Guy, regarding a horse that did a lot of his work in Hong Kong and had success there, and then trying to persuade the Australian breeders to get to know him a little bit better um, and, and buy his progeny. Is it a case where you just hope that he produces athletic yearlings and they look like his old man? So how do you approach that? I think uh, I think the fact, fact of the matter is before he went to Hong Kong, he had former round horses like Bivouac and Cosmic Force and that. The Australian market know those horses, so they know he's obviously a pretty decent horse. Uh, whatever happens in Hong Kong, it means that uh, when the yearlings get sold, that the Hong Kong market will appreciate that. So I think, you know, the crossover, the fact that he raced against good horses in Australia is the son of not a single doubt. He's got Hong Kong form. There's a lot of positives there. So it sounds like it could be a big advantage for him then, Jonathan, with the, the Hong Kong flavour, especially with the Asian market then. We feel so. Um, he's, he's a horse that a lot of agents remember too, because he was he was a one point oh five million dollar EC yearling. Um so a lot of bloodstock agents that have that have come to see him um since he retired to stud, you know, they've been reminiscing that he was a lovely horse and and you know how well he's he's let down and he's still a great type obviously. And um being a group one winner in Hong Kong, um over a sprint journey, weight for a sprint race, he beat two Hong Kong champion sprinters, Hock King Prawn and Wellington when he won his group one. Yeah. Um, so, and we've seen Group One winners in Hong Kong, like Maurice. Obviously, he's been very successful. He won a Group One in Hong Kong, but over over a longer journey. So, I, I think it's a great advantage. And I think what Guy mentioned is, is spot on the money. Um, a lot of Hong Kong agents and trainers and owners will be very closely looking at the stronger yearlings when they when they um, make their sales over. It's exciting times, especially with Aquas being based up in Queensland. We mentioned the cutest breeding scheme. It's doing wonders for the industry up there in Queensland. In fact, it's becoming it's becoming that that popular these days is that a few of the, the, the local trainers um, are finding it difficult to purchase horses, say, out of Magic Moons because the, the Sydney-based trainers that travel up their horses these days to Queensland have identified how popular the cutest is and how rewarding it can be. Jonathan. Most definitely. And competition is always great for the industry. And I think, you know, with the um, renovations at the Gold Coast Turf Club and the um, the new boxes going in at Train Tech, uh, there's a lot of interstate stables um, looking to set up satellite stables in Queensland. And that'll further strengthen the industry. So very excited to, um, to see which trainers uh, end up with boxes in the in the new um, train tech complex. Yep. Yeah, it is exciting. The Queensland racing breeding industry has never probably been stronger. Yeah. We've got some great stallions in Queensland with, with proven stones like Better Than Ready and uh, Spirit of Boom, both doing tremendous jobs. 
and uh, we've got uh, a couple of very nice, um, very nice young stones on our roster too. Yeah, and Guy Moldcaster lives in Queensland as well, so it's the home of the breeding industry. <laughs> um, tell me this, Jonathan, have you got a slot in the Everest? We do. Can you give us an exclusive? What are you doing? No decision has been made yet. All right, then. Who's on the short list? <laughs> we asked the tough questions here on Breeding Bloodstock and Banner. Hey, we'll let you off this time, Jonathan, but make sure you give us the exclusive on this show, can you? No problem. All right, brother. Thanks for that. Hey, we'll see you. No in the, we see you on the Gold Coast. We're having a we're having a Magic Millions pre-party, um, a party like a, a pre-sales party at Guy's Penthouse there. So you're more than welcome. Anyone that comes on this show is part of our family. <laughs> Byo. BYO, but. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, mate. There's Jonathan Davies Thanks, there. Um, Aquas Farms, they, they they haven't mucked around, Guy. No, they've, they've been investing heavily over the last 10 years or so, and they've had a number of good results, and uh, and I think it's onwards and upwards. And, and it's good for the Queensland breeding industry that they're standing nice stallions, plenty of them. Well, well priced, and I think uh, I think people are you know really gravitating towards that. The fact that they can breed their mares well to well performed horses at the uh, at good value. We'll take a break on the other side of the, the breeding bloodstock and banter with the captain Guy Molecaster Gareth all with you. Mike Kneebone will be joining us, of course, the head auctioneer at NZB and the director of business development. You're listening to Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter with Gareth Hall and the Captain. You're listening to the Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter podcast. Gareth Hall with the one and the only, the Captain Guy Moldcaster. And uh, we're heading back to your home country here. Um, Captain Mike Nebone joins us, of course, a man that we know so well in this game, the head auctioneer at NZB and the director of business development at NZB. G'day, Mike. Welcome to the show. G'day, Gareth. How are you, mate? And uh, hello to you too, Cappy. Good morning, Michael. Now, tell me this, um, Mike. What, what's happening at the moment with the preparation heading towards Caraca? How far are you into the process of identifying the yearlings that you want, to, uh, you want sold at your sales? Yeah, so, um, well, you did say you're heading back to uh, Cap captain's country there but i actually live in sydney and um i knew I that once i was New halfway Zealand. said that conversation i thought I, I knew mike lives in australia i stuffed that up i apologize <laughs> yeah yeah i might go back once they change the government but in the meantime <laughs> i'll be here in uh, sydney and i've just got back from new zealand and um uh, did mainly the waikato area yearlings um with uh with part of the team there we sort of split up and and the 1600 entries and Every horse gets looked at, so that's all been done now, and um, it'll go to uh, putting the book together around about the 16th of September, and and um, finalising the numbers and letting everybody know, uh, you know, where their horses have landed as far as book one and book two go. Now the catalogue out for the ready for runs on the fifth, or was out on the fifth of September, so um, we should have it now, Captain. And uh, I need you to find me the next Golden Sixteen Lucky Swainies, Swainess, if yeah. you could, please. I had a I had a quick look at the on online the other day at the catalogue, and it looks bloody amazing. But I just want to pull Michael up on one of his facts he just <laughs> mentioned. There. 
Tim and I used to work together, Gareth. <laughs> Back in the day when we were doing the inspections yeah. in the bottom of the island and we said every horse got looked at, there was a couple of occasions <laughs> Hazel Roper's pub at Point Pleasant, Michael, wasn't it? What a great spot it was too, Cap. <laughs> and they could bring the horses to us to inspect. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, I guess once you get down that, that bottom of the South Island there, sometimes it's a bit hard to get around after you've spent a night at a couple of them pubs. But um, look what we got there in the end. We sure did. But, uh, you know, uh, after after a weekend with Greeno <laughs> and they was a bit shabby looking at those horses, Michael. <laughs> Now, like, you should guys have it. Like, Captain's taking a tour to Cairns for the amateur race season. It sounds like he needs to take a tour when he goes and inspects those yearlings in New Zealand ahead of the sales. Back to the ready-for-run sale. Um, Mike, when you have a look at the names that have come out of this sale, Golden 60, as I mentioned, Lucky Swainez, Brightside, Sharp and Smart that we see in the Tarzino first up on the weekend in New Zealand, um, and Tino for... Tony Golan will be hard to beat, you would imagine, in a Turak this spring in Melbourne. Um, Solidify, that's been impressive for Graham Rogerson and Debbie Rogerson as well. De- Debbie Rogerson as well. Um, it's an easy sale, you would imagine, that you could mark. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, as I've said many times, you know, this is not a, a new thing. This sale's been going for years and years and um, gathering momentum, Um there's there's three things that uh, are key to the ready to runners for my money, and they are the first things results which you've just talked about. Um, you know, world class horses running around coming out of a, out of a two year old sale. The, the second thing for me is the numbers is a, is a key thing because with a with a yearling sale, um, you may get maybe ten percent withdrawal rate. At a ready to run, you're probably looking at more like 20% by the time you get to the sale. And then you've got what you sell there as opposed to what gets passed in, etc. So you need big numbers at a ready to run sale for the clients, especially if they're traveling, you know, from Hong Kong and Malaysia, Singapore, uh, Korea, in our case for New Zealand. Um, they need to see numbers. Yeah. What do you look for? Um, and oh, the, yeah, sorry. sorry, Mike. The other other thing is, um, obviously, with uh, New Zealand, even though the state money is increasing slowly but surely, um, you're getting a very genuine article because um, those horses that are in the ready-to-run sale are there to be sold. Um, if they don't get sold, it's a, it's a long road after that still in New Zealand. So, Guy, what's the, the secret to identifying... Uh, these ready-for-run horses. What are you looking for when you're watching the tape? I think you're looking for action, Gareth. You're looking, you know, you're looking for how the horses move. You you know where they've been prepared. You know if there's petrol in the tank. And when Michael says it's not a new thing, this will be something that'll be interesting for you, Gareth. Back in the day when they had black and white TV and I was still working in the stables, Mm -hmm. they used to freeze them up at Claudelands on the trotting track. Okay. So how... That would have been a little difficult to go a ten and a half furlong. Well, it's not very good if you fall off. I know no. that. <laughs> so, so Mike, when do you do the breeze ups? Are they are they on the the sales weekend, or do you give buyers a little bit of a time to look at them and then sell them? 
No, they they had done um, four weeks before the yep. the actual sale, and you were talking about time a minute ago. Times, although it's important, it's not the key factor. I think, as Cappy said, it is all about action. And um, it's interesting, guy. This um, I was talking to Janine Dunlop in the weekend. She'd sold Bellatrix and obviously offered Mister Brightside, and um, I was talking to her about her ready-to-runners and said, I hope they all go up well. And she said, yeah, well, Mr. Brightside didn't. And um, funnily enough, I, I don't think um, Lim's Kosciuszko did either. The great horse up there in Singapore, both were passed in at that um, ready-to-run sale. So even though we say that, um, you can you can still miss them. Um, but going through the catalogue last night, I saw a few there that, Captain's uh, very closely associated with Lot 298, the half-sister uh, by Super uh, Seth guy is um, a half to that Kovalika that you got. And um, also Kermadec, dear old High Fuji's, uh, got a Turn Me Loose cult in there under Riversley, Lot 69. Those are a couple of pretty smart ones you've got to have a sale cap. Yeah, they've been good to us, those couple of horses, and uh, and. Philly, uh, I remember seeing her at the Yelling Sale. She's a strong filly, and uh, I think she should breeze up pretty well. You be putting your hand up, Captain? Uh, not necessarily. Well, I'll be buying. I'll be buying at the sale, but I'm not saying I'll be buying half brothers or half sisters. Yeah. Already have. He, he, but, keep, uh, he keeps his cards close to his chest, there, Mike. You know, he doesn't want to give too much away. Well, that's right, especially when you've got an auctioneer making notes at the other yeah. end of the phone, that's for sure. What's, but, his, um, what's his strategy, Mike, the captain, um, when he's putting his hand out? Look, nobody seems to know, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's interesting, you know, we always um, we always sort of know which where each buyer's going to be and where they're bidding from um, in the sale ring. Uh, you know, you like Sibia, John Foots and your Paul Maroney's and, and um, John O'Shea's and Peter Moody's. Uh, they all seem to stand in, in the same spots, but some don't. Um, Guy and his team are normally up in the press box, which is directly in front of us at Caracas. And if anyone's aware of the um, Caracas sales ring, it's a very intimate um sales ring as opposed to some of the massive, huge, big places that are um, doing auctions around the world now. Um, so we're very we're very close to the buyers and um, we, we can basically look at them. We don't do a lot through our bid spotters because we're so close to the buyers. And um, yeah, Guy, um, if he wants one, he buys it. And if he doesn't want it, he, he, uh, he leaves it for, for another punter. Now, this caught my attention. Your colleague in South Africa of recent times, I don't know if he was selling Guy Moldcaster, but I'll see if Ollie's out the back there can roll this tape. Ladies and gentlemen, with respect to 164, this colt was born with a developmental abnormality of the penal sheath <clears throat> and an undeveloped penis. The testes and scrotum are normal. Just checking this not from my mother. Okay. After the birth, the colt could not protrude his penis and urinated into the penile sheath where the urine accumulated. <clears throat> surgery was performed to correct this condition. After two surgeries, the accumulation of urine in the penile sheath was corrected, but he still has difficulty to protrude his penis. That's, that's Steve Davis. Surely that was a G up there, Mike. You're his colleague. 
Yeah, look, it's done the rounds a fair yes. bit of times. As I've said to a few people, um, it's not something I would have taken <laughs> on. Um, you know, uh, we do get a lot of um, uh, bits of information coming up onto the rostrum at times, and, you know, um, especially with vet reports and that. And I, I normally scan them and, and um, you know, give them a bit of a check over once before I start um uh, reading them out, and um, I don't know whether whether that is or not. It's certainly done the rounds, as you say that one. And um, uh, good on Steve for having a go at it. Anyway, uh, um, I don't think I could have lasted that long without um, you know losing it. Really, he's, he's become an internet sensation guy on social media. He's he's that's had hundreds of thousands of views. That particular piece of auctioneering by Steve Davis. Um, but that horse, I, I can't. I've tried to work out. We've got to work out if it actually was sold. But it, it's it would be very popular. I reckon you could sell that horse pretty easily just because of what happened there at that auction that day, guy. Yeah, no, definitely. I've been privileged to do it a couple of times. I think it might have been a little bit of a tongue in cheek sort of thing. But yeah, you're Mike right in what he said. I probably would have lost the lost the plot after one sentence. Well, Mike, we're looking forward to catch up with you as it gets closer anyway. They're ready for run sale on the 22nd and 23rd of November, of course, at Caraca. And the breeze-ups will be held at Tarapa Racecourse on the 16th and 17th. And um, all of the, those breeze-ups, we can pick them up if you're in Australia and you can't get there. You can obviously get onto the NZB website and um, watch those breeze-ups. Yeah, that's right. And um, I don't know, I'm just uh, standing in this week for the boss, Andrew Seabrook. He's uh, heading up to Korea for the Korean Sprint this, this weekend. Of course, we, um, we're we one of the only sale companies, well, I think we are the only company in the Southern Hemisphere that have the support of the uh, KRA at our ready-to-run sale. So Andrew's up there this week, and the rest of the team will start getting around um, over the next month or two um, you know, leaving no stone unturned, as they say. Um, great to catch up with you guys too, and thank you for uh, having me on the show, and all the best, Cappy. Good on you, Michael. Yeah, you're a star. Thanks, Mike. There's Mike Kneebone, of course, the head auctioneer at NZB and the director of business development. This is the Breeding Bloodstock and Banter podcast with the captain guy, Moldcaster Gareth Hall, with you for Pillaley, who won the Group 2 Roman Consul in faster time than Exceed and Excel, Fastnet Rock, Suster and Russian Revolution. We'll take a break and we'll come back with your questions for the captain for this week's show. You're listening to Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter with Gareth Hall and the captain. Welcome back to the Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter podcast with the captain, Guy Moldcaster, Gareth Hall with you and our illustrious producer joins us now, Jackson France. G'day, Jacko. How are you, Jacko? Everything good? I see there's another couple of blue points went straight into the into the bin this week. That's number 30 and 31, so you're flying. Yeah, he's going well. He had another stakes winner up there in the north as well, so that brings his tally to four. So he's taking all before him in, in his first season up there in the northern hemisphere, but hopefully that translates to his first crop down here when they step out in the coming months. Now explain what you're doing, because we're fascinated. So you're going to get it a value, aren't you? Yeah, so I'm going to let her grow out past that weanling phase towards the yearling to see what, you know, they have a rough estimate of what she could be worth and leave it up to the experts and we'll make our mind up what direction we go so from there. what's the game plan, Jacko? Because you've got 50% with your mates who race the mare. Yep. So if it's worth, if it gets valued at 100000 you keep, but if it gets valued at two hundred, you sell. 
Yeah, that's the plan. If it's around that $100,000 mark, I'll probably try and find a few people to syndicate it privately and send it straight to the Philip Stokes camp there at Packenham. They do a okay. fantastic job. And then if well, it's... Win the Birdsville Cup. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Um, still a good prize, money 50000 for the Birdsville oh, Cup. Okay. And it seems like a good trip up there, so I have to head up the is team. That, is that a good idea, Uncle Guy? You happy with that strategy from the young man? Well, I'll tell you what. If Jackson Jackson gets us some good sponsors this year, Gareth, yes. next year... We could do Birdsville into Cairns. Oh, well, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't survive, I don't think. Not with the captain, but yeah. I, I like the sound of it. Yeah, all right, then. Let's do that. We'll organise that. In fact, we're going to have a day at the races with Guy. We're going to organise that for breeders that want to, or just um, um, fans of the captain. We're going to go to the races. We're going to have, we're going to cap it to about 15 and 20. We might do one in Melbourne and, and Sydney, but have some fun there. So, um, he's a pit. His appearance fee is big, so we'll, um, I don't know how much the tickets will be, but it will be a lot of fun anyway. We're going to do that in about a month's time, Gareth. Yeah, 100%. I've got Dana, my beautiful um, fiance. She's on to it. She works at the MRC, so we're, we're, going, to, we're going to work something out there. Now, um, Jipping, I've been, like, I've been saying, Jacko, we need to do this for Giddy Up, and he's been too busy with all of these emails coming through at Jackson... Uh, Jackson.Franz, F-R-A-N-T-Z, at S-E-N.com.au. Beautiful. So take it away. So the first one here, Captain's come through from Cal. He's asked, with the Yulong juggernaut purchasing every well-credentialed mare in the country, do you see this as an issue for the future and viability of the bloodstock industry? How many Alabama Expresses, Grunts, Tagaloas, etc. can this country handle? I think the market will decide, Jackson. I'm hearing that they could have up over 200 dealings to sell next year they'll sell a good number of those in melbourne and i think uh the market will decide what they're worth like if you breed a horse you take it to the sales then you put a you can put a reserve on it and you take it home that's fine but if you're taking 150 or 200 yearlings you need to meet the market last year they had a good bunch of yearlings at the uh premier sale in melbourne and they all had reasonably uh, pretty pretty reasonable reserves on them, and I think they sold pretty well. I'm, I don't know exactly how many horses the market can take, but uh, this is this man's uh, dream, and he's he's not going to give up. So I think uh, he's got nice stallions. He's got very good brood mares. I think uh, we'll see how, how it plays out over the next five years. Reading too, I don't think they're just supporting their their own stallions. I think they are going to some outside stones to get some new blood into their their organisation. But it'd be fascinating to see how Mr Zhang and Sam Fairgrey do with the the, the year long um the year long organisation in this country. Hey, Gareth, when you buy a mare yep. and the mare's in foal, most of the ninety nine percent of the time it's not by one of the year long stallions. So that means you've got a continuity of draft as well, you know. Mm. So that's going to be a big thing, and that they'll sell at all the yearling sales across Australia. So maybe if there is over two hundred horses, it will be diluted a little bit with twenty or thirty at each different sale. We've got another question that's come through from Cal Captain. He says, "What is the market's obsession with purchasing well-performed race mares off the track? The stats on unraced and non-winning race mares becoming great brood mares is no fluke." Um, he's gone on to add a few examples of that, mentioning Mr. Brightside on Thunderstruck, Alligator Blood as well as the likes of Takeover Target and Black Caviar. And Gold Trip and a Taurus and Dubai Honour and Jack and Owen, Rockin' Horse 
um, Maria Mia, Militarise, Eight Carat, The Autumn Sun, Done Deal. So um, that's that's um, it's a that's, long a, list. that's one of the great stats of all time, there, Captain. Yeah, but then you think how many Group Ones are there in Australia every year? How many horses win Group Ones? You've rattled off about twenty. Those some of those go back twenty five years, Garrett. So you're talking about three hundred Group Ones, and you found twenty horses. So I think you you just do what you do, and you can't really pigeonhole it myself. I'm a big. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know about you, guy. These are like what I look for, and I'm only an amateur man, and I'm learning from you, of course. Um, but I like first first foals, and I don't mind an unraced mare. Yeah, as long as the unraced mare's a half sister to something good, because yeah. the autumn's out of a half sister to Almanzor, and she was unraced, you know. And there's a number of other examples like that. But I don't think you can actually pigeonhole it. I mean. People like tall poppy syndrome. They want to say that good race mares were all no good. Uh, in certain cases, but then the blood flows through and works out in the situation out of those good mares. So you know, it all it all balances. Well, that's all we've got time for with the, the listener question because we have run out of time today. What about the captain's pick? I think you need to probably lift your game a little bit. Well, I thought... What, Last week we said, hey, let's watch I Wish I Win. He'll probably run third or fourth. He ran third, onwards and upwards to the Everest. I'm saying this week I'd be watching Kovalika. He's going to have 58 kilos and he's going to run a pretty good race. But I would just think myself the 1300 will be a little bit sharp for him. But bring on the Epsom in three weeks' time, 1600 metres. Bang. So that's the, the captain's pick and also the captain's watch horses that you purchased at the sales. Kovalika is a horse that we can look for at Rose Hill. Hey, I've got a couple of um, future bets for our listeners, Captain. Yes. Ozapenko to win the Maccabi Diva. 1,600 metres Flemington. I think he'll beat Brightside. Don't disagree. And, geez, I'm in love with this Justify filly. I thought she was good the other day, Legacies, for Peter Moody and Kath Coleman. I think she'll head up to Sydney and win the flight stakes. Well, as we spoke about earlier, Gareth, those three-year-old fillies in Sydney are pretty even lot, and it wouldn't be the first time Moods has taken one uh, interstate and smashed them. So, good luck with that, and I, I don't disagree there either. So, two from two, and uh, thanks for your hard work this week, Jackson. And we'll catch you next week on when we get back from Kent. All right, then we wish we wish <laughs> thanks, you the best of luck. Anyone can send us a photo of the captain in Cairns; that'd be much appreciated. Breeding bloodstock and banner with the captain. Guy Molecaster and Gareth Hall there. Thank you, Guy. Thank you, Jackson. Have a wonderful week and hopefully you can join us next week.